a business can create all the packaging, all the waste, but when it comes to the responsibility and the guilt associated with producing waste, it really rests on the consumer. Hello, 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 and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Dharma Talk. I'm your host, Henry Winslow, and this is episode number 48. This week, I have the pleasure of sharing with you a very important and meaningful conversation that I had with my friend, Ksenia Voropaiva. Ksenia and I have put in a lot of hours of practice next to one another. We did a teacher training together, but since then, she has gone on to found a company called Anande, which is a yoga company, but also a movement towards zero waste, an ambitious goal. In this conversation, Ksenia and I talk about the big sustainability problem that she saw in the current state of the yoga industry, even amongst the most eco-conscious or self-proclaimed eco-conscious yoga companies out there. She shares five easy lifestyle changes that you can make right now to drastically reduce your footprint on the environment. And finally, we close with how we can take back the power from major corporations, be kind to our planet, and be compassionate with ourselves throughout the process. Now, before we dive into the interview, I want to share with you a very special offer that you won't be hearing anywhere else. Ksenia has been so kind as to offer the Dharma Talk community 20% off site-wide on her website. So to take advantage of that, head over to henrywins.com slash anande, and then pick out your favorite sustainable eco-conscious yoga items and apply code dharma at checkout, D-H-A-R-M-A. Again, that's henrywins.com slash anande, A-N-A-N-D-A-Y, and apply code dharma at checkout for 20% off your order. With that being said, please stay tuned through these announcements and we'll dive into my interview with Ksenia Voropaiva. This episode is brought to you in part by Yoga East Austin. By now, you've heard me mention something I'm really looking forward to, and that is the five-day RYT 50-hour rocket yoga practice intensive with rocket yoga pioneer David Kyle coming up April 24th to 28th at Yoga East Austin. I'm pumped to not only meet and learn about the rocket yoga system from legendary teacher David Kyle, but also to practice again in Austin, Texas. Austin is an amazing city, rich with weirdness, great food, extraordinarily nice people. Seriously, the people are just the friendliest there. Uh, Great yoga and fantastic spring weather. But aside from the beautiful city's backdrop, the host studio itself is a unique and special place where I actually taught some of my very first yoga classes. Since its inception, the founders have made it their top priority to seek out and host the very best teachers for workshops, events, and trainings. It's no coincidence that the teachers, staff, and students there are constantly yearning to learn more and progress in their practices. The unique combination of the city's childlike energy and the community's willingness to try something new makes for an amazing learning experience and an energy I can already feel from here. David Kyle has over 16 years of experience teaching Ashtanga and Rocket Yoga, learning the method from his mentor Larry Schultz, the founder of Rocket Yoga. 
Again, this training is from April 24th to 28th during perfect springtime Texas blue bonnet weather. For more info, go to yogaeastaustin.com slash rocket. Can't wait to see you all there. And for my New York yogis, I have several workshops coming up in the city this month that I hope that you can join me for. On March the 2nd, I'll be teaching a sun salutations workshop at Yoga Fitness Herald Square. On the weekend of March 23rd and 24th, I'm teaching back-to-back workshops at Yoga to the People, St. Mark's. Saturday, hips and twists. Sunday, backbending. And then on March 30th, also a Saturday, I'm teaching the locks and keys to arm balancing and floating at Three Jewels. So if you'd like to sign up for those, please do so at henrywins.com events. What's your purpose? What's your vision? What mark will you leave on this planet long after you're gone? I'm Henry Winslow, and you're listening to Dharma Talk, the only podcast where I interview inspirational yogis on how they're changing the world in their own unique ways. Whether you're still searching for your purpose or already walking the path, I hope these stories get you excited to live your dharma. Hello, Dharma Talk community, and welcome back to another episode. Today, I have my friend Ksenia online for the interview. Ksenia Vorapaiva is a yoga student, creator, and business owner. She's the founder of Anande, a sustainable yoga and wellness company with a zero-waste mission. She believes in the power of yoga to transform and in the potential of individuals to create the change they want to see. She started Anande because she saw the waste produced by the yoga and wellness industry and wanted to, wanted to find a better way, a way to practice that supports us and our planet. It's a beautiful mission, Ksenia, and I'm so happy to get to share the mic with you this afternoon. How are you? I'm good. So excited to be here. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Thank you for coming on. We always start with the same first question, and you know your intro kind of touched on it a little bit, but I want to give you a chance to answer it just like everyone else has. What does the word dharma mean to you, and what is your dharma as you understand it today? I knew this was coming. Um, so I think, I mean, dharma, when I think of that word, I, um, I think of purpose. And for me, it's, you know, that definition has evolved over time. But right now, the way I think about it, there's this graphic that I came across a while ago, somewhere in a book, or maybe on the internet, but it's um, this Venn diagram. And it's three intersecting circles. And in one circle, there is joy. So what you love to do. In the second circle, there is your talent, what you're skilled at, um, and hopefully what you can be paid for, make money off of. Um, And in the third circle, there is service. So how can you be of service to others And I think of Dharma as being right at the center of those three. So being able to be passionate for what you love, be able to live off of it, um, to support yourself, and also um, have it be of service to others, to be a a greater vision than just yourself. That's a great idea. That's Dharma uh, for me at the moment. 
I, I've never heard it explained that way. And I love that you have kind of like a three part system to check <laughs> off because you can be passionate about something and very skilled in it. But if it doesn't actually serve a need met or that's unmet by other people, then have fun mm -hmm. with that, you know, have fun developing your skill, but you got to be able to contribute. Yeah. So go on. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, that's it. I just remember seeing that graphic and at the time I was not at all like on my path where I was I was working you know corporate jobs really unhappy and I was like I saw that and I was like that's it I have to somehow find that intersection of all three things and and that's been a long journey but yeah for me now it's you know having this business I um you know I love yoga I've been practicing it for now over 10 years um and so I get to practice yoga every day I get to create and I love um, create, creating a business from scratch. That's always been like such a fascination for me. So being able to do the yoga, make it into a business, but also have a business that's not just a single bottom line, but it be a double. And eventually I'd like it to be a triple bottom line where there's, there's environmental um, cause behind it, as well as eventually a social mission where um, the business gives back to society. Right. Um, well, I think even if it isn't explicit in financial donations, if you're driven by a purpose that's more than your own pocketbook, there's already an element of giving back to society, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I agree. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about the company and, um, you know, why, why you decided to create it around this specific purpose. Sure. I, um, you know, it's interesting when I've always, not always, but ever since working in corporate world, um, I've wanted to break away from that and create something of my own like be my own boss and just have more of a, like a lifestyle doing what I love and not just having to like clock in and clock out like that for me, it was like, I was so unhappy before so it's been an evolution. Like I, this certainly is, I mean, you know, you, I feel like you've had, you know, so many projects and things too. It's like, you know, you never really know, but it's a, it's, you try something, maybe it works. It doesn't. Um, so this is like maybe iteration three or four of what I've tried. Um, and this one, I feel like it's just such, I really love all the components of it. So I, from, I've been practicing yoga for a while, but I was getting really frustrated that I couldn't find just natural products. Like almost everything when I was searching was made from plastic or it came packaged in loads of plastic or I would roll my mat out and I would just get a whiff of all these toxic chemicals and the clothing is so synthetic. And I was just, at that point initially, I was just getting very frustrated myself as a customer that I couldn't find these products. And that's when I started researching, uh, you know, how to manufacture things. Like if I have an idea for what I want, cause there's so many different much, like there's so many alternative materials out there at this point, there's so many substitutes for plastic and there's just so many creative ways technology can use natural materials to make them sustainable. So there's so many options. And I was like, well, I want to do this, you know, this mat in this way. And I started researching it and I, you know, it, it's not, it's, I learned that it was possible 
And that's when I started the slow process of designing the mat and, you know, finding a manufacturer and then expanding that to a yoga mat bag and locks and straps. Um, so yeah, when so you for first, me, it was really... When you first got into oh, go this, ahead. were you trying to, um, were you thinking of it as a potential business or were you just looking to create products that you could use yourself without feeling like guilty about the impact on the environment? <laughs> well... I mean, initially, I was just looking looking for prod products, and if they're already out there, somebody had already made them. I was happy to just like pay the money, have my product, and then continue on my happy like yoga journey. Um, but then, when I saw that there's such a a gap in the market for that, I was like, oh well, if I'm certain that other people are also, you know, would want this as well. And so I started thinking of it as a bigger, potentially, you know, starting out as a side project. And then maybe if there's any like traction, maybe it'll grow from there. I certainly didn't have like any kind of grand like vision for this company I'm going to build. It was like very small steps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then what happened? Yeah, that's how when it started. You, what happened when you started to look at manufacturers? Like how did it? How did you, what sort of issues did you run into and how did you get through them? Well, you know, finding the actual products, like the natural materials, wasn't the most challenging part because there are yoga mats out there that are 100% natural tree rubber. Like Jade is an amazing company. Um, There's other very eco-friendly companies out there. The tricky part was the packaging because most manufacturers just don't have never not packaged something in plastic. It's such a default to shrink wrap everything and to put it into plastic bags and then wrap it up with lots of other plastic tape for shipping, especially when you're shipping it long distance. So that really was the biggest um, challenge. It, it's still something that I'm working on um but you know i just got you know a recent shipment and zero plastic nothing because a lot of this material you know especially when you're talking about tree rubber for for mats like that's naturally it's moisture resistant or it's waterproof it's very durable if you just roll that up and place it in a cardboard box like nothing's going to happen to it when you ship it there's like no need for it to have extra plastic around it um but it's been good because my like you know so far while there was some resistance initially from the manufacturers ultimately I'm the one taking the risk like you know if the shipment gets damaged and I told them to not place uh, plastic on it then it's a risk that I'm taking and so they're okay to just be okay whatever this crazy person wants like we'll ship it however (laughs) sounds like it took some convincing though Definitely took a lot convincing because they were like, you know, it's a lot of fear. Like, well, no, what if this happens? Or what if this happens? Or it's a long trip. So, yeah, it was convincing. And I just had to stand my ground on it. So you got a shipment in recently. And yeah. were there, I mean, were there any hiccups around that without using the plastic? No. Amazing. Not at all. I mean, everything that, I mean, when you ship cargo, it's so protected. It's in... Like, there's so many containers within containers, and it's in a ship. Like, mm-hmm. maybe uh, maybe some moisture gets in somewhere, but so far, there's been no issue, even on the textiles. Like, you know, there's no no issues at all. They can't be in great shape, everything. I think it's, like, 
it's just that um, it's almost like the status quo. It's like people have a fear and they it's like overprotection of things. But I mean, most waste, everyday waste comes from single use packaging. Right. I you know, if, even if a mat is, oh, go ahead. There's just, I mean, you're right. There's so much fear around trying to do something differently that it mm-hmm. like goes without questioning a lot of the time to just do. It's also part of their business, you know, to like systematize a, a routine to keep things efficient oh, yeah. and keep things streamlined. But you have your totally. own business. You're the entrepreneur here. So, you know, without innovation, you can't really create something new to, to change yeah. the market or change people's minds. So more power to you for sticking with your guns on that. Ksenia, yeah. what is, what is your personal yoga practice look like? And how would you say it's either influenced the creation of your company or how has the creation of the company and the things that have come up there influenced your yoga practice? Um, I, that's, that's interesting. I, um, for me, my, Currently, my yoga practice is uh, there is a lot of physicality to it. So I do love going like, you know, to Lighthouse with practicing with you and having that two hour class that's very intensive physically. And that's, you know, almost a daily um, thing for me at this point. Um, But more and more so now, the meditation and a mantra practice and the pranayama breath work as well. Um, that's even more important. So like in my mind, when I go to do a physical practice, yes, I love how it feels on my body, but ultimately it's so that I can, um, reach that point of stillness after class to do a deeper meditation or breath work or, um, to do a mantra practice. And, uh, you know, that's so closely tied with my business, because even the, you know, it's funny, the name of the business actually came to me. I didn't know exactly what it would look like, but uh, during the advanced teacher training that we did, I, we were doing one of the early morning, like two hour meditations. And I was sitting there and um, trying not to, you know, control my mind a little bit. And, but at some point, just this name came into my mind and I was like, oh, that's the name the business and I didn't even quite I was like that it was so simple like I just like what was like stressing about what to call it etc and just came to me in this meditation and um that's been really my approach to this business is that ultimately you know I you know if I believe that I do have you know purpose my dharma then I have to allow, like I have to stay receptive. I have to allow these creative ideas to come through me. And the most, like the best way I can continue to stay open is to be very disciplined in my yoga practice and the meditation, the mantra. Like I usually go to yoga first and then I'll work the rest of the day on my business. So the yoga part comes first. That's smart. That's a smart way to do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stay clear. You know, you have to put yourself in the space to get out of your own way, basically. And I think that's what a lot of these meditation practices do for you. They, mm-hmm. in my experience, at least, it's like, if you yeah. can 
it's not so much about like getting rid of all the thoughts. It's about making space for the subconscious thoughts to come through. I think all the answers are already in there. Mm -hmm. The talkative, yeah. louder thoughts get in the way. I was just going to say that's a thing. Like deep down, it's like this, yeah, the, your consciousness that like that, that energy is there, but all the everyday like to-do lists and worrying and questions and how am I going to afford this? How am I going to finance this? Like, what if nobody buys this thing? Like all those, uh, very counterproductive thoughts tend to be at the surface. So it's being able to get to a state that's deeper than that, where you can like push that aside and let the other, the more important stuff flow. Yeah. And yet those thoughts, those tricky, you know, distracting mile a minute thoughts are part and parcel of running a business. Oh, so yeah. it just kind of underscores the point of how important it is to maintain your practice. So uh, important. As, yeah. As more so than now than ever. <laughs> For sure. Can you, you know, I've seen on your website that you have, and we've talked about this, you've got some, some resources and blog posts that help to educate some people who may be curious about how to live a more waste-free lifestyle. Can you maybe share a few tips for the listeners who, you know, maybe they're having yeah. some aha moments here like, oh yeah, my yoga mat was covered in plastic and I have a lot of single use um, disposal packagings that I throw away every day. What can yeah, they do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, totally, I mean, I think the, like the number one thing that is so accessible um, is saying goodbye to the regular plastic water bottles. You know, that's something I still I'll go to a yoga class and, you know, so many people, especially like in, a, in a hot Bikram class, so many people have the single use plastic bottles. Um, that's a really easy one. You know, when I walk out the door, I just always have at least one. Um, metal bottle with me and I bring a lot of water and a lot of studios have refillable stations and you just fill up your water so you save money and you get cleaner water because in, in many times when your water is in plastic it's contaminated etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah so a water bottle number one um, the other thing is always bring a tote you know especially in a place like New York I think it's just everybody hands out plastic bags like, it's crazy. Like, you go in to buy a granola bar, and they will pack it, they'll, like, place it in two plastic bags for you in a deli. So it's, like, being able to say, no, thank you, no plastic. No, I say no plastic, I don't need a bag, probably at least 15 times a day. <laughs> and on some days, if I'm, like, running around, like, no plastic, no plastic. You do a lot of like, shopping. Yeah, that was an exaggeration. <laughs> if I'm, like, running around doing a lot of things in one day, it can be that high. Yeah. Um, no, I know what you mean. For sure. But like, yeah, it's like Dwayne Reed, they're like, yeah, they're double bagging everything. And it's like, no, I was just going to eat that right now. And every, right. And everybody's like, it's like they reach for it. And like you said, it's also just like that, like the, the default. It's like what they already do. That, that's what already is part of their operation. And that's what, you know, they grab the plastic bag. And so, yeah, so having a tote with you. Um, what else? I mean, the other thing is, so another thing is, Buying in bulk is such, makes such a big difference, you know, because when you, for instance, you're going into a grocery store, it depends on the grocery store, but odds are everything in the center, like all the aisles in the center, everything is packaged, packaged mostly in plastic. So there's a term called perimeter 
shopping. And that's when you go around the perimeter and you get the fresh lettuce, the produce, um, everything that's not packaged in plastic. Cause there's an option. You can always get even salad mixes. You know, a lot of times people buy the spinach or the salad mix in a plastic container, but usually a store is also going to have the same thing or very similar. That's not packaged in plastic. So bringing your own little bag to put the lettuce or kale into, um, and opting for that, it's like you're getting the same thing. You're just choosing, um, it from a different part of the grocery store. And also like with beans and rice, a lot of stores, I mean, especially if you're in a bigger city, you know, a number of stores are going to have a bulk section where you can get that versus getting your quinoa in a plastic bag. There's always alternatives. Um, how many was that? Three. Uh, the other thing too, that I do, that's a little more time consuming, but at the, in the end is such a great, it saves so much money and also so many, um, plastic containers. I'm make a lot of my own products. Like I have my own face wash. I, um, make my own toothpaste, um, which I love so much more than the store-bought kind because a lot of the store-bought kind, they have so many additives and, you know, it's also it's like reading the back of ingredients, um, for food, same with makeup and hygiene products. Like they have so much stuff, so many chemicals that go into them. So having options that you can make at home and, you know, it makes it so easy. If I ever run out of toothpaste, I have a bunch probably from my last batch in the fridge. Like I don't have to worry about going to the grocery store and, and running out. I just have to, you know, commit a few minutes. See, maybe it's a 15 minutes that I make it every couple of months. So yeah, those are, so plastic bottle, um, bring your own bottle, um, always have a tote with you that has some um, little bags for grocery shopping. Um, I forget what else I said. And then like the perimeter shopping. So opting for bulk and for not wrapped produce. Um, and then yeah, trying out some DIY recipes. A lot of times the DIY stuff, you know, it's what they call my recipes. I can eat like my face wash. I can actually eat it's totally safe to eat. Like you can't really say that for a regular face wash you buy in a grocery store, but your skin is your biggest organ. Like you really should not be putting all these crazy chemicals that you can't ingest on your skin because your blood, you know, your organs are going to absorb all of that anyway. And it's over the long haul. It's just not, not good. Yeah. That's a, that's a great so point. Those are some, some tips. <laughs> like we don't really think about it's it that way. way. We think our skin is like a protective layer so it can handle more. But if you're, actively putting making the choice to put something on there that's supposed to nourish you and give you more health like why would you put something that you mm -hmm. wouldn't want inside your body on your skin yeah totally and the thing too is like you know when you eat something and it's spoiled or it maybe is like very chemically heavy like you are going to feel that very quickly like you might have an allergic reaction or you'll like you just, it's a more immediate response. Like your skin, it absorbs things differently. So you're not going to have that reaction. If I put, put some like really strong chemical on my skin, like even if I put, you know, I'm cleaning something around the house and I get some Clorox on my skin, like I'm not going to become nauseous right away. But over the long term, when your skin and your internal organs are exposed to that stuff, you know, it has such a strong effect. It's just that we are not as aware of it. Like we can't sense it as directly what's happening. Yeah. So get your own water bottle, bring your tote around, yeah. <laughs> buy in bulk from the perimeter of the store and start making your own stuff. 
Um, yeah, and it, I have it, those. I have a bunch of links and stuff on my website. I have a whole section dedicated to all that stuff. Where awesome. I've like, it's also for me too because I was like, I would always like stumble across the internet like this, would save it, would forget where I saved it. So I made this just like my own almost like repository of all this stuff. And now I, I just have links to it and and photos and all, yeah. all that. And you know, the nice thing about carrying your own water bottle is like you can get some pretty cool water bottles. Like you, oh, if yeah. you're carrying plastic, <laughs> then it's just like a plastic water bottle and you have to throw it away and there's all the impact around that. But if you have a nice water bottle, some of them are like double vacuum sealed so that it like keeps mm -hmm. the temperature that you want. I have this water bottle totally. made by a company called Dylan that actually turns regular water into alkaline water. It's got this like oh, Vita, cool. Vita B diffuser at the bottom. Super cool. That's um, really cool. So, yeah. And, you know, going back to your point that you made at the very beginning of the of the talk around being skilled, um, having the joy, and then also being of service, I think of those five tips, probably the hardest one for people to get involved with and invest the time in is probably the DIY stuff. Yeah, totally. Do you, do you see that as potentially being a brand extension for Ananda at some point down the line, creating more products that are trustworthy? for yeah. health and beauty potentially i um you know uh yeah it's something that i've thought about before and i've it could be because you know it's um but it could be on the other hand there are so many even like i choose diy more so because i really want to learn more also about just plants and um how to use them for, for healing and, and just, just my own knowledge. So it's been fun to play around with that. There are, like, I will say they are, there are now more and more so some amazing brands out there that there's like, a there's a really great store in Brooklyn, um, called package free shop and they carry all sorts of products and they have, for instance, you know, toothpaste that comes in tablets that's all natural materials that comes in a glass bottle. So you place a tablet of toothpaste like in your mouth and then you start brushing, which is essentially similar to what I make. So there are thankfully now more and more brands um, that are making this stuff. But yeah, I've certainly thought about it um, myself, you know, longer term, if this is something I could, I could do as well, for sure. I just, I thought that because it's a very similar origin to the, the, the core product of your business. You know, you yeah, wanted something exactly. and couldn't find it. So you had to go out there and, and make it happen, which I think is totally. the seed of so many great businesses and innovations. Like you experience a problem and there's no solution for it. Then, you know, <laughs> you know, totally. there's, there's opportunity there. Yeah. Well, I will say what I'm starting to do now, which is actually kind of the same, um, similar vein is that I am starting to include other brands on my website because you know there's so many things out there that I just like, like the other com companies that inspire me and products that I'm like wow that's amazing um so I'm starting to include because I can't make everything you know I still have to like you know I want to keep focus um, on my business because I think sometimes you know I worked in startups before that I had experience in startup world and um I definitely saw quite a few startups that were trying to do everything, but not actually doing any one thing really well. Mm -hmm. 
So I always said to myself, like, I'm going to, if I start something, when, when I start something, I want to have a really clear focus and do something really, really well. Um, and maybe that grows, but I certainly, um, am already starting to, and will continue to include other brands that have the same mission, um, on my store. So even if I don't make the products, you know, somebody who's interested in this stuff can have really easy access, um, to it and know where to get it. That's cool. I think it's really smart too, you know, to be open and not trying to think that I've got to be the one that, that solves all these problems because you're right. You know, if, if you focus and specialize on one thing, you're going to do a better job with that. And from a business perspective, you know, if you're collaborating and and sharing and sending people over to another company, that's going to benefit from that. There's, there's goodwill there and I'm sure they'll return the favor. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, I think it's, uh, you know, it's, um, I think people have a fear that like, if I create this good idea, I can't share it. And like, it's my thing that I came up with, but I, you know, I don't want to be like that. I, I think that there's so there's at this point in this, in the world, like there's so much that is troubling. Um, you know, for me, like my focus right now is like the environmental stuff is just, and have different creative solutions and share resources and be able to have different means of producing things like the better off we all will be so yeah I think that sharing and collaborating is so so important we definitely can't do it alone if we want to change anything we can't do it alone that's right especially a problem of such gargantuan size it's it's no Mm -hmm. one person's um, responsibility to bear it's really a collective responsibility Mm -hmm. But, you know, by doing the things that you're doing and and by educating people to say no to that plastic bag and start to get that as a repetitive behavior, we can start to influence these major corporations that work giving out Mm -hmm. a plastic bag into their standard procedure. They get used to hearing no, like people vote with their with their choices. People vote with their with their dollars and how they spend their money and you know, it starts even, even a giant movement, a giant wave starts with a small little drop. So that's exactly it. So yeah, every little everyday actions matter so, so much, so, so much. So what do you see as being the next step for Anande? What's coming? (laughs) Um, you know, I just take it. I've been, I've been taking it, um, kind of small sprints at a time right now. I'm still, um, like I'm still a little bit, like I'm still working on sourcing all the things that I want to have in my store. So the next immediate step is having, uh, much more regularity in terms of what I have in stock, my shipments, you know, there's such a a learning curve when you start, um, producing things because there's a timeline for the design, for the production of it, then for the actual shipping of the item, and then it has to be received here. Then I have to sort the, like, you know, there's so many steps that I didn't realize. Like, I kind of did, but I didn't really, really know how intricate um, all the steps would be. So it, it's, um, you know, getting a really, really comfortable with that. So having a steady stock of inventory and 
Um, and then the next step that I'm already starting to work on, um, that I'm hopefully, hopefully this year is I would love to find a factory, a manufacturer closer to home, potentially in Latin America. That's kind of like the, the area I'm thinking of, but it can really be anywhere. But I would love to find a community-based, ideally woman-led, um, especially for textiles, manufacturing house where I know they can visit the factory, where I know that the people there are um, like they're supporting their community and that the factory itself is environmentally friendly. Um, so being able to really have more of connection with the people that are creating the products. And I actually am starting that. I have a partnership happening um, with a little village in Ecuador that's you know very early stages, but actually being able to meet the people who are creating the products like that. I would like that for me is the kind of business I want to have where like everything is really high quality, but also like the people behind the products have a story as well and their communities are being supported. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's like, it brings the, the environmental impact and mission of your business totally 360 to be thinking about it in that way, not just about the Mm -hmm. product and the end user, but about every single step in the, in the manufacturing and, and, and product cycle. Have yeah. you been to Ecuador yet? No, I've been, I've traveled through a number of, I just love that part of the world. So I've been to a number of countries, not Ecuador yet, but maybe, you know, it's the, the, one of the challenges is that, um, you know, for producing something like a yoga mat, uh, there are, if you search online, you'll find and so many, you know, manufacturers that can potentially produce the, this thing that you want. And they're very plugged into the internet and e-commerce and they can do all these things for you. But when you're looking for much smaller manufacturing, a small woman led shop somewhere in Latin America, it's really, it's so much, they're not online. You can't do a Google search for them. It's so much more of, of word of mouth and, um, connecting with people and eventually getting there. So it's it's been a process trying to find that um hopefully i go to ecuador if this you know if it ends up being a fit i would that's a plan i would love to visit all the places and meet the people who are actually making um creating the products yeah i feel like you should just like book a flight down there and start asking (laughs) around (laughs) i know actually that might be if this like so i'm i'm gonna be out of the country for a little bit but i'm gonna come back and if it's still kind of like a very slow, I'm not sure what's happening. I'm totally going to do that. Like, I'm just like, I'm just going to go there. <laughs> I mean, that's a way to yeah, knock really on doors, make it happen. Like, yeah, totally. you'll give yourself I no totally other agree. option. Yep. I was like, I've I, been thinking of that. Like I was like, yeah, totally thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. And if they're, if they're truly unplugged, like that's the only way to get in contact. Mm-hmm. Are you thinking about, you, you know, you said already that this can't be done alone, and I and I totally agree with you on that. Are you thinking of expanding the the core piece of your business by hiring employees? I think yes. Um, not right now because it's right now I have enough time, which is very valuable resource. But right now I have the time, and I, you know, I um. It's the business is still early stages, so I'm so 
particular when it comes to how I want to package things, how I want to um, have that point, like the initial, I think it's so important to have that thought of like when somebody opens this thing that you've put so much time and effort into creating, like I want them to have an amazing experience, not just with the product, but also getting it, getting the product and opening it and it being, you know, just for them and it be a special, like delight the customer, like it'd be a special experience. Cause I know for me when it makes such a big difference when a brand goes the extra mile to really make that, that step of receiving something special. So right now I'm just so hands on and, and, um, working on, on doing that and figuring, figuring out that myself. But yes, totally. When I get that much more consistent, I know exactly what I want and I can like tell somebody, okay, like, this is our vision. Um, I totally plan, of course, on hiring people and, and collaborating also for sure. Cool. Yeah. I love that idea of just being very hands-on as the owner. There's a, a business teacher, like a teacher of entrepreneurs who, I remember he said this once and it really stuck with me when you're starting a business and you have the ability to, to really be, um, making those extra touches, do things that don't mm-hmm. scale, do things. Exactly. That don't That's scale. exactly it. Cause I look at some point, like I've been writing hand notes, handwritten notes to a lot of the customers. And, um, you know, at some point, of course I won't personally be able to do that. But right now, if I can, like, I think that is, I'm so touched when I receive that from, other people um that and especially like I think because um you know it's one thing if you're just going to get I don't know I can't even think of a product but like for me this is so much a part of like these these products are so important to me and the mission behind them and I'm not just like you were saying I'm not just selling a product like there's so much more behind that so being able to share that with somebody in like a little note or something nice like that, it is really important. Um, and I, for now, I can do it. So I definitely, I love doing that. If there's someone listening right now who's thinking, you know, I see, I, I've got a yoga practice and I feel like I'm prepared to to do this. I see an issue that I want to tackle with a new business. What piece of advice would you give that person? Oh, totally follow like, follow that little, like that itch or whatever you want to call it, like follow that thought all the way out. Um, because, you know, um, like I was saying, like this this current business that I have, Anande now, it's kind of like a, an eventual version of an, a different idea I had before. So I think it's so important, like if you – feel like there's something missing where whether it's like the community that is not there for you or maybe a product or a kind of yoga practice like if it's missing for you most likely it's going to be missing for other people as well and if you can um follow that thread it's going to lead you to somewhere else you can connect with some other people and something else is going to spark and it's going to lead you somewhere else so while maybe that like initial vision you had may not be the thing that's going to be like launched into the world, um, it'll definitely start leading you down a path to something that will. I think it's so important to, fo- to follow those like little gut instinct moments. Yeah, every, every little step on your path is just as important as 
the supposed final destination, which doesn't mm-hmm. even exist, really. No, exactly. It doesn't it does not exist at all. Yeah. I love that advice. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to finish off with one story of something that's been, that's happened recently that really kind of reaffirmed your conviction in what you're doing, a little a uh, little win or success? Yeah, I mean, um, the biggest success for me has been just the response from the people like from my yoga community and even from, you know, the people who reach out to me on my website. Cause I, I think when you have this, like an idea in your head and like, like, like those, those higher surface thoughts are like, is anybody even going to want this? Like, is this crazy? Am I just like putting so much of my time and effort and money into this and it, nothing's going to come of it. So there's a lot of uncertainty. And when you, you know, publish that first blog post or you create that first product listing and people all of a sudden like are like oh that's a great idea or like I would love that so that's been um such such I don't want to say it's a surprise because I I think I have such a clarity um in many ways with my business but it's also not something that I ever I did not know this how I still don't know how this is gonna like you know end up but being like running out of stock like buying a certain amount of inventory having it come to me and then a few like a month later being out of stock like that was amazing to me I just did not expect that to happen and it definitely affirms that you know there is this desire like people are becoming more and more conscious of the impact that they have on the world around them and there's not enough products you know it's still like one thing this is kind of a tangent but like Um, one thing that's so important to me, I think that businesses have so much responsibility. Um, and that's a part of the other reason I started Ananda is because, you know, right now a business like a, can create all the packaging, all the waste, but when it comes to the responsibility and the guilt associated with producing waste, it really rests on the consumer. Now the consumer is the one that's supposed to bring the the metal bottle. I'm supposed to bring a tote. I'm the one who's supposed to say no, thank you to the plastic, you know? All that weight is on the consumer, but so much of it is the responsibility is on the corporation. So I think it's so, so important um, for a company to take a step forward and be like, no, I'm not going to produce all this plastic waste. I'm going to find a different way because it is possible. Like doing it myself, there's so many alternative materials out there. And if like me, one person can pay a little bit extra, spend a little extra time figuring this out, then I am certain a big corporation can do this and they have to step up. Um, So yeah, being able to be a part of that change also um, and see people's response um, has been honestly the the biggest win. It makes me so, so excited and so happy. That's so awesome. Um, And, and yes, yes, yes to corporations even the small ones, but hopefully eventually the larger ones that whether we like it or not, basically, you know, they have more power in a lot of ways than governments and states do. Oh yeah. Like for Uh them to make responsible choices is really where we're going to see the change happen. But Mm -hmm. as I alluded to earlier and I, and I know you agree, we have the ability Mm -hmm. to influence them because it's a capitalist society and profits will, will drive the change. Mm 
so mm-hmm. we can educate with our wallets. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's, we as individuals have so much power in that regard. Um, but the corporations, like it's two sides, almost like the like both sides are going to change together. Like the more we start making little changes, the more the big corporations are going to start um, having to make changes. The more they make changes, the more consumers are just going to be left with better options that have less of a negative impact, you know, on the internet. So two sides working upwards to, to a better place. <laughs> yeah. It is interesting though, how the consumer right now really bears the brunt of, of the oh, guilt and the yeah. shame and like, you should do this, you should do that. Um, you know, it's mm-hmm. funny, like, I don't know if you ever saw the documentary Cowspiracy, but mm-hmm. they, they talk about how, like, there are all these PSAs about how you can save water by, like, turning off the sink when, like, in between brushing your teeth mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. All, all these sorts of things that, like, oh, it seems like a good idea. Yeah, let me do my part. But then you stack it up next to the amount mm-hmm. of water that's consumed raising, like, livestock and industrialized mm-hmm. farming. And it's just like totally dwarfed to the point that it's actually negligible it's like how much can we really do as as a consumer and yet it's like shame on you (laughs) yeah well that's the thing that's i think honestly i think that's a part of the who knows maybe i don't want to be like uh oh that's our strategy but you know you have to think why it's there's so much guilt about um you know, so the perfectionism, like even the zero waste movement, I know I've, I've read some, resp- not just conversation, conversations out there about how, oh, well, I don't even know where to start. There's no way I can be zero waste. That's true, but that's, um, it's so hard to be zero waste. But I think we have to celebrate the small wins as opposed to focusing on all the things that are not um, happening. Like I forgot my tote today, like feeling so much guilt about that is doesn't help anybody um and same same with like even like you know there's a lot of that I feel like in the vegan community sometimes like you know you mess up one day and it's like oh like there's so much shame and guilt like I ate this thing and I didn't know and like I might as well give up now just go to McDonald's call it off exactly (laughs) we have to have more compassion and look at the small wins like today I brought my water bottle today I have my toe and if one day like there's definitely days that I'm like starving after a yoga class and I just need a power bar or I'm about to faint, like I'm going to go get that power bar and then I'll try to recycle the packaging and sometimes things slip up, but um, nobody can be perfect. And the more we can just over time, like I think the most impact we can have with um, our small changes sustained over a long period of time. You know, if you're just trying to do like this crazy diet for the next month and you go back to whatever, great. But can you do some do something that's more sustainable and you can do it for years or same with like a yoga practice, you know, initially you might not do like a crazy two hour class, you might just go in for an hour a couple times a week, then maybe you stay a little longer, maybe you try something more and over the long haul, you have this incredible disciplined practice. But I think it's never by putting too much on yourself at once. It's just having that compassion and seeing the longer the longer vision there. And same with like environmental impact, like, you know, can we make changes in our kitchen over time and our shopping habits over time and our consumption of like products of foods over time? 
Um, not all at once, because that's just too much, you know, but over time, can you make these changes? And that's when the real shift happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pick a small step that you can commit to. Mm-hmm. And don't burn yourself out trying to do the impossible in the flash of a pan. You know, I think that's really smart and a great way to try to affect any sort of change that you want, either internally or externally. Ksenia, apart from getting your message out on this podcast, what are you doing today to live your dharma? (laughs) Uh, Today... Um, well, you know, it's, you know, with a business, it's kind of like a 24 seven thing. So it's every day I am working to make this more and more in line with my vision. I'm making sure to go to yoga. So even today, we were talking earlier, you know, I had a photo shoot for all these new products that came in and that took up a big part of my day. Um, but I still put on mantras like when I was doing the photo shoot and this morning I had the mantras on. So it's like every day doing what I can, like using the tools that I already have to better align myself with what I know I'm here to do. So trying to, yeah, making those consistent changes every single day and committing to them. That is what I'm working on day in and day out. (laughs) Same today as every day. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Okay, I think now is the time to move on to the final section of the interview, the prana round. So this is where I'm going to ask you six rapid fire questions and ask you to answer minimum one word, maximum one sentence. Okay? Okay. Okay. (laughs) In one word, why do you practice yoga? Oh, liberation. What is your favorite yoga pose and why? Oh, handstand scorpion. Because that you can't think about anything else. What's the single best cue or piece of advice you've ever received from a yoga teacher? Or any teacher? Any teacher? Uh, be the observer. Recommend one book, modern or ancient, for our listeners. Ooh. Okay. The Art of Happiness by the Dalai Lama. Is yoga for everyone? Yes, not necessarily in this lifetime, but yes, it is for everybody. Last question. How can our audience get in touch with you and how can we support you in your dharma? Oh, okay. Get in touch with me. Um, website is anande.com. Instagram at heyanande. Um, Facebook as well at heyanande. And um, best way is honest is just if you're interested in any products, of course, get in touch. I always love offering you know discounts to my community and for you guys to give feedback. And it's always you know. Like it's a collaboration of how can we be better together. So it's getting in touch, um, saying hello, having conversation. If you ever have questions about, you know, ways to reduce waste, um, I'm always learning. I'm always posting things about that. Um, so yeah, just say hello. Right on. 
Ksenia, you're doing really important work. So I appreciate you taking an hour out of your very busy day to chat with me about it. Um, it's been really fun talking to you as always in this time. So much share with some listeners. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Dharma Talk community. If you enjoyed this podcast and you haven't done so already, please hit the subscribe button right now. And if you'd like to show your support even more, leave me an honest review on iTunes or whatever podcast directory you listen on. You can also make a financial contribution to keep the show up and running, a donation at henrywins.com. And remember, I'm here to serve you. So if you have any questions or comments or ideas, you can always reach me on Instagram at henrywins. Otherwise, I'll speak to you next week. Keep living your dharma.